0: to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Time Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and I'm joined as usual by Dan Wright and Alex Wood. For the first time in a while, this is not going to be some long-winded intro because the only thing on the agenda this week, other than the ridiculous transfer rumours which we'll touch on later, is Saturday's game against Brentford. Eddie Howe's first game in charge. Lads, very simple. How excited are we all for Saturday? (laughs) <laughs> I'm
1: buzzing to be honest. It's the it's the start of the new era, really. Um, everything's gone from the last one. If you think about like the owner, the manager, his backroom staff, it's a completely fresh start, a clean slate for all the players who've been under form this season. It's a big opportunity for them. Yeah, it, I couldn't be more excited. This international break has gone on forever, it seems.
2: The main factor of it as well. Is that we've been able to kind of really soak in all of this Eddie Howisms. like uh, the training clips, <laughs> the the interviews, the really like offbeat graphics that are on front of matchday programmes and stuff like that. Like we've been able to really like soak it in and see the change happen right in front of us. And I don't know whether that's like um, proper good propaganda or or what it is, but we have been able to like fully exp- uh, explain it and really see how a functional club that we're fans of work.
0: I had a lot of fun, haven't we, on social media in terms of all the stuff we've seen from Eddie Howe, the little training videos, it's all very promising. Some of the stuff he said in those training sessions as well that was like recorded, I think he what did he say about the training? It's it's a different type of training or something? Yeah, like it's a not a criticism, button. it's just yeah. a different type of training. And Callum Wilson there was a quote in the chronicle where he said, obviously we're training a lot more intensely <laughs> <laughs> Tells you a lot, doesn't it, of of what you know, how he's done over this week. I'm really going to see the fruits of his labour this weekend. But we're going to, like, get on much later in the podcast in terms of, like, score predictions and all that stuff. But we are going to start with the game on Saturday because, really, there's nowhere else to start other than here. And the first question is, obviously, Eddie Howe's coming in. He likes to play attacking football. He said in the press conference last week he wants to play attacking football in Newcastle. He ain't going to change his style up much. But since this squad is so used to back five, defensive football. Do you think he's really going to change it for this first game because you know he's only only been in the job for you know about 10 days.
1: I think that's a very interesting sort of topic of conversation because we don't really know. We I'd love nothing more than for Newcastle to line up attacking and really take the game at Brentford and I think we could potentially do that, but you're right. We also used to being defensive. Would it be wise to change it so quickly, so fast? I'm not sure. I'd I genuinely don't know the answer of what we should do. I suspect it'll be somewhere in the middle. I I, I think we'll try and be on the front foot, but there'll always be the back in the back of Howe's mind, maybe the players' mind that we've not done this in a while. But ultimately, they're professional footballers. Like they should be able to change, I guess. But yeah, I'm really not sure on on that one.
2: The way like a lot of Premier League clubs have reacted to Brentford this season is is kind of a recipe of how I think how we'll take it. Um, you've seen the likes of Liverpool, um, Arsenal and Everton take the game to them and they have a lot more quality going forward than us. And they kind of got battered by them. Yes, Arsenal weren't in the, in the right main and obviously we saw the excellent shootout with Liverpool um, versus Brentford and obviously the Everton game went just weird. It, it's a crazy one, but Everton are like that this season anyway. So... Taking it to Brentford, they will come at you as well, and they they have that capability of scoring, obviously, with Ivan Tony um, there. So, I I kind of think if we do the tried and tested method, we might find ourselves wanting to counter attack a counter attacking team, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting topic, isn't it? This whole formation debate, because Eddie Howe's usual formations are four one four one or four four two, which neither of those formations I don't really see working for Newcastle. I think it would have to be. My favourite formation always will be the four-two-three-one. That's what Rafa played. I feel that's what got the best out of the players back then. And the, the team's not changed a lot to, to now where we are at the minute. So w- would that be a wise move? Also Norwich played a similar formation, I want to say, against Brentford and, and, and won against them. And we all know Norwich are probably, well, they are the worst team in the league, aren't they?
1: I do like the 4-2-3-1 as well, and I think in the future that's an avenue that I would like to see us go down. You know, you look at likes to say Maximum, Fraser, Almer, I think that could get the best out of them. In terms of the four-one-four-one that you mentioned, and you saying it doesn't really suit, I think it could potentially suit us because I think it's a it's a bit of a it's easily adapted into a four-three-three depending on if you've got the ball or not.
0: Yeah, I get you.
1: And I think if you've got Isaac Caden, I think really to. For Isaac Hayden to be in the team, he needs to have no attacking sort of... He doesn't need an attacking outlet, basically, because he's no good at that. What he can do is be the anchor man in that system. And also, if you've got three men in the midfield, you can have a a John in there who is the best passer of the ball. I mean, he's not very popular. I'm not his biggest fan. But if we're going to start creating more, I think we need to get the best out of him until at least January when we can get a better player. And I think if you can have two centre midfielders that maybe do more running for him and he can be more of the creative outlet, then I could see that working for us. And then you can have the likes of St Maximan and Fraser out wide, feeding Wilson. Um I think St Maximan needs to play out wide, in my opinion. Um he, he gets lost a little bit in behind the striker. If we had better players then maybe you'd let him be more of a luxury player and sit behind Wilson. But I think that system could potentially get a lot out of us. Now if I was it's a hard prediction, but if I was going to predict a formation for us to line up, that would be what I reckon how we'll go with for Brentford.
0: See my only concern with the four one four one is that the wingers are too deep and mm. there's a lot of emphasis on those wingers put a shift in defensively. St so Maxman ain't gonna offer you that. That's that would be my only concern. I mean Alex, what do you think on this on this whole thing? No, I, mean, I, I, I don't I... think it's gonna be a back five, especially against Brentford who play that system themselves.
2: No, I completely agree with. Um, it's difficult because I agree with both of you. Yeah, um, I think the four, the four-one-four-one makes a lot of sense because you're able to switch it into that four-five-one defensively. You're also able to switch it into the four-three-three three attacking wise, um, which both Dan said, both Fraser and Saint Maximan have the pace to do that, to ena- enable it to be that four-three-three, three. and then you can have either Willock or Shelby or Miguel Almiron or. Uh, Sean Longstaff, you you've got a real like pick of the bunch of people that have legs in that midfield that can really um, isolate it and allow John Jerschelvy to be that lazy guy. Um, so that kind of formation would work uh, a lot. I also completely get where you're coming from, Harry, as well. Um, Alan Maximan is a defensive liability when you're playing him as a winger. You you can't uh, utilise it so. Do you then put him in that central position? And then you agree with what I agree with what Dan said. He gets lost in the centre, play him out wide, but then also kind of shift Hayden over to that position where he's going to be defensively doing it and also kind of utilise him as a semi-right back, if that makes sense, because he has played that position before, albeit we all kicked off when he did. Um, But use him in that semi-wide position where St. Maximum would be there, so then we at least have two players up top so when a long ball goes through, we can either counter Brentford or we can use them players to hold it up on, along the line.
0: What I'm going to touch on now is, um, I don't know whether you guys seen it on Twitter the other day, but some guys did a comparison between Shelby and Hayden. And, you know, the, the stereotype of John Joe Shelby is, he's lazy. And the stereotype of Isaac Hayden is, he's a grafter. So comparing over 43 games in the last 12 months, with Isaac Hayden starting those games, Newcastle won three, drew 8 and lost 16, they got 17 points. So the points per game with Hayden in the team, 0.63. With them not starting, it was 7 wins, 4 draws and 5 defeats, 25 points. So the points per game without Hayden was 1.56. I hope this makes sense to people listening. Compare that with Shelby. With Shelby starting in 26 games, we won 9, drew 7 and lost 10. 34 points on the board. That's a points per game with Shelby of 1.31. With him not starting in 17 games, we only won one game and the points per game was 0.47. So, do you think Shelby's getting a bit of unfair criticism here? And is Isaac no, Hayden really. the real lazy player?
2: No. Uh, well, Hayden's not lazy. Not. Like
1: um, The the stereotypes that you mentioned are absolutely true, in my opinion. I think Shelby is lazy and I think Isaac Hayden is definitely a grafter. But, that being said, I think John Shelby's got more, way more ability than Isaac Hayden. Um, and that also, it's hard looking at those stats they're pretty damning when you read them out but who's who are they against you there's not there's not a great deal of concepts behind them um but yeah Isaac Hayden isn't isn't a great footballer like I don't think anyone's really trying to say that I just think maybe they could work together Hayden would do a lot of his running but I, I get the point you're saying
2: yeah uh, again to build off what Dan said um, I don't know how many of them games included Callum Wilson yeah, that's that's one thing I did think when I was when I was reading that off there. But right. I thought it's an mm-hmm. interesting
0: comparison, though. No, yeah, or, or, of
2: course, absolutely. It it, it definitely is, and it, it it speaks volumes to a trope that we've all been set which is what your initial point was that uh, Isaac Hayden is the the grafter and the legs. When the true actual person that has the most legs in this Newcastle United team and has run the most this season is Sean Longstaff.
0: Yeah, I mean, like what you said before, there Dan was that Shelby ability-wise. And I was talking to my mate this weekend, who's a Liverpool fan. And obviously they know they know about Shelby and said that Shelby's natural ability is, is brilliant. He's probably the mm-hmm. on on his day. I mean, as cliche as it sounds, on his day he's the best midfielder in Newcastle have got. Great range of passing, you know, can score a goal from range. He should be a top player, but whether his hearts in it is is another question. But under a new manager, you feel that he he might just turn up this weekend and didn't didn't he starts? Because I th- I think he will start on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I I do think he will start. Um... Do I want him to start? I think.
0: Depends what you're going to get. If, if you could guarantee yourself yeah, before kick-off, you're going to get the John Joe Shelby who we're first seen in 2016 on his debut against West Ham, then we yeah. want that Shelby. But the one we've got against Spurs, we don't want.
1: No, definitely not. Um, do I want him to start? I think my main reaction is telling me no, but then you look at other options and I think, to be honest, Sean Longstaff's performance against Chelsea, he was miles off the pace and I just... I wasn't impressed at all. So to be honest, if it's a choice between them two, I probably would give Shelby a go. It feels a bit like a last chance for him. I mean, he's had, how many of them's he had really?
0: It's because the know, midfield's so poor. That's the so problem It's so poor. He gets
1: chance after chance, but I think if he wants to be part of this football club, he's got from now until January to prove that he's, his heart is in it. And so, yeah, I'd start him. I think the big thing about a new manager coming in is you've, you ultimately get a clean slate for the, Players most of the time, and I think this is definitely his last chance. And I'd I'd start him because he has got bags of ability. We've seen that.
2: There's a number of players on that last, kind of last chance saloon, mm-hmm. isn't there? Uh, not only John Joe, I'd put Matt Ritchie in that category as well. Yeah. Um, I'd also probably put Manquillo in there. And um, mm, Don't any, know about
0: Manquillo. Anyone? Oh, is anyone expecting Heavy well? Manquillo to be a world beater?
2: He's probably been the best. He's been pretty soon. solid, to be fair. Are, yeah. uh, okay, um, <laughs> I, I'll take real one then, lads. <laughs> shut uh, down, uh, shut down immediately. But like uh, a number of the centre backs there, there as well. Like um, you look at Fabian Schär, clean slate, uh, having performed midweek uh, exceptionally well for Switzerland as well players like him, we really need to step out and perform like he had a couple of seasons ago because he's been, he's been off the pace as well, m- almost certainly. But um, going back to your main point, I would start John Joe, Why not? Like If you, if he's going to be awful and he is terrible, I would actually bet Eddie Howell to have the guts to pull him at half-time. Yeah.
0: So, on to, you know, we're, we're on the topic of fringe players, aren't we? And you, you touched on a few there, Alex Aixler, Fabian Shaw and um, them sort of players. And, you know, fringe players when a new manager comes in, they get the opportunity to shine and get themselves back in the starting eleven. And there's a number of them at Newcastle. I mean, Fabi Shaw, Ryan Fraser, Jamal Lewis, Federico Fernandez. There's probably a few more on the list as well who, you know, will will see Eddie Howe coming in and see this as an opportunity to get themselves back into the starting eleven. Now, I know a number of fans want likes for Shaw back in starting eleven, but. Do you think Eddie Howe's going to make a few surprising changes on Saturday, and you know maybe start a Ryan Fraser? Where you know under Bruce, there'll be no chance of
1: that. I'd be su- put it, I'd be surprised if Shaw doesn't start. To be honest, because if you look at the way that Eddie Howe set up a Bournemouth playing out from the back, trying to play good football, Shaw's the only defender we've got really capable, only central defender capable of doing that. So I'd be amazed if he doesn't come into his plan straight away. Fraser, obviously, he's had a bit of game time under Graham Jones, but in the wrong position. He needs to start out wide. I think he's worked with him before. doesn't seem to be any bad blood from the way that Fraser left Bournemouth, so I'd be surprised if he didn't come in, if he's fit and available. Uh, Jamal Lewis, another one you mentioned, I'm not. he's probably the only left-back we have that you'd say is a left-back in a four. I think Dummett's still injured. So, again, if we're going for the four, it makes a lot of sense to play Jamal Lewis. He just come off a good result with Northern Ireland midweek, but then again he hasn't had as much time working with him. So it's, it's I think there'll be a few players come come in from the cold. Yeah.
2: The only thing I would probably say it's probably a week too early for the likes of Jamal Lewis and uh, and Fabian Sheer. Like I've said, I want him to start, but I think it might be a week too early. Um, building off what Dan's point is, he hasn't had a m- much chance to work with him. They've been away on international duty. We don't mm-hmm. exactly know the fitness levels of, of all these guys because, of course. Eddie Howe's had this, what, week and a half, 10 days to improve the fitness levels of the guys that he's had. And the rest of them that have been in international duty, they haven't really had it. We're we're led to believe that's the reason why Ryan Fraser said no to Scotland. is simply because he wanted to improve his fitness level at club level and try and get back in the good books of Eddie Howe. So I think he he most likely will start on um, Saturday, but... um, I think it may be a week too early for Jamal Lewis and Fabian Shaw.
0: I'm glad you pointed that out, Alex, because I think in Howard's press conference, they talked about the players that were on international duty and said it's a shame they're away because they're missing vital training time. So it does tell you well, if you read between the lines, Jamal Lewis is the only left back, natural left back, you'd say, at Newcastle, with Dummett being injured. And I can't make a case for Matt Ritchie playing as a left back in a four. So to me, I know fans will get annoyed but I think the back five is probably what we're going to go with.
2: I agree with you. I can completely see it. Um, the only reason I can completely see it is because we have fit centre-backs and Matt Ritchie, as a left wing-back, has still produced the most open play chances outside of the top six clubs. Yeah, but he could yeah, bring... That's I think what he might stats. do is
0: I feel if you do a back four and you bring Fabian Shaw in as a, into, the, you know, into a back two, he's not the best in two. We all know he can play in a three. So if you bring bringing Shaw back in, you can play out the back with him and use the wing backs, offers us more cover defensively, and then maybe he goes with a front three attack, Fraser, Maximan, and Wilson. I'd, I'd be on board with that.
1: I think maybe it leaves us a little bit light in the midfield, to be honest, that sort of system. That would be my main concern. I don't think he'll go at the five. Um, I think there's more chance of him playing with a four and Matt Ritchie as a out-and-out left-back, to be honest. I I hope I'm right, because I think we, I'd like to see a complete change, personally, just, just out of what we've seen so far has been rotten. Let's have a change, that kind of thing. I'd love to see a four. I hope you are wrong and I'm right. Um,
2: as long as we win, I'm Lewis, not
1: bothered. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think we've got more chance of winning with a four, personally. Um, for me, I think the system that gives us the best chance of improving is a system where you can improve the midfield the most. And I think with four... At the back, you, you can have three central players in midfield and it would be a lot stronger than we've been this season. So for me, that's the main reason why I would go for a four.
0: So we'll we'll come back on to this game on, on Saturday, but we're going to touch on the transfer rumours that never, ever seem to go away with Newcastle. and <laughs> um, We've had three big ones this week, I would say. Uh, we've had two players from Inter Milan and a player from Borussia Dortmund. Just a, just an average week in the life as a Newcastle United fan. Uh, the two players from, from Inter that were linked were Marcelo Brozovic and Stefan De Vrij. Uh, and from Dortmund, it was Axel Witzel. Um, Witzel came from came from Liam Kennedy and, and the other two were, I think, were in the Times, I want to say. But I, I feel a lot of it is just agent talk. But let's not of beat around the bush here. All them three players walk into Newcastle's team are like our top European talents. Can you see them sort of players coming in January? Because I, I, so a part of me is like, well, yeah, we are the richest club in the world. And then the other part of me is, well, we're nineteenth in the league in a relegation battle. Are these players going to swap European football for, for, for Newcastle?
1: I honestly have no idea the type of player that w- that would want to come or not. I think, I it's it's so bizarre this transfer window because we're kind of like, are we looking at players to get us out of the relegation battle? Or are we looking at players to try and get us in Europe? Next season, I don't know. I mean, the players that mentioned make a lot of sense, which I'm guessing why that the papers are put two and two together kind of thing because they're midfielders and centre backs, so they make sense. But would they come? I mean, I guess.
0: Tell how what I was comparing I, it to today, know. Chinese Super League. We've seen players go yeah. and play in China, but I mean, Newcastle aren't going to offer them wages, are they?
1: I'd be surprised. I mean, the type of player that would you, if we're being cynical, the type of player that swaps a European battle for a relegation battle, it is a mercenary really at the end of the day. Mm. Is there anything wrong with that? I'm not sure.
0: If a good um, football, I'm not concerned. There's a lot
2: wrong with that. I w- I'll just jump in and immediately say that. I've heard that term just flaunted around so much like that's the type of player Newcastle are going to be looking for are just mercenaries 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 that want to leave top European for that last little payday before their contracts fully uh, extending that that career that was the whole point of the Chinese Super League that's why it's gone bust and that's why a number of their clubs have been there um in terms of Brozovic and De Vrij um Inter above scheduling contract talks with them over the next week according to um the transfer guy himself, for Brizio Romano. So, um, like, again, that supports it with um, me and agent talk, Harry. Um, yeah. Witzel's agent's probably just kicking up a fuss because he's not really playing a lot. Well, the reason he's not playing a lot is because Richard Dortmund have an 18-year-old that's absolutely fantastic in midfield. His name's Jude Bellingham. Um, uh, that's the reason why Witzel's not getting a sniff at the moment. It's because Bellingham's lighting up the Bundesliga and being absolute class. So... No, but the type of player that um, we should be looking for, uh, like fringe Premier League players that haven't really been getting a game that we know still have a bit about them, like the likes of Van Der Der Beek would be massive for this club. Um, Do I think it'll actually happen? No. But that's the type of player we should be looking at, not these um, like obviously uh, lads that are just after a quick cash day and probably will be earning 350 grand a week if they came to Newcastle.
0: I mean, the ideal thing would be to sign those, those, those Premier League players from top clubs who aren't getting a game. But it seems that the, the plan to, to go abroad is, is because Newcastle's hand has been forced here. This week is probably the most embarrassing thing uh, Premier League clubs have done. You know, so it's always something new every week. But uh, this one is the whole anything but Newcastle rule in January, where Premier League clubs are apparently teaming up. And are going to refuse to sell players to Newcastle in a bid to get us relegated, which is going to come as a pleasant surprise to them. That the current squad we've got at the minute will keep us in the league and, and hold me to that as well. Do you actually see these clubs refusing to sell, considering the amount of power that agents have on clubs? Can they do? Is it lawful to refuse to sell a player to, to a single club? Well, I guess it is lawful
1: because they don't have to. or they don't have to sell their players. Um... I don't i mean i think there'll be more hostility towards newcastle in the market but if newcastle offer more money for one of their players than another club they're not going to say no other they're going to forget their principles for a few extra million quid like it's it's just pathetic like the fact of the matter is they don't care about the the human rights or whatever that's been they just don't want another club trying to compete and it, it'll be led from the top six clubs or so-called top six and the rest of the league's looking thinking if Newcastle are going to be going to spend this money or whatever, we're going to sign these players from other Premier League clubs, they're going to leapfrog us straight away. So, it's not a hard sell for clubs to get them against Newcastle. But I, I honestly can't see this happening. We might have to pay a few extra million quid for a season or whatever Newcastle tax, whatever you want to call it. But they're, they're not going to refuse to sell in Newcastle. I wouldn't have thought anyway.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think the Newcastle tax is something that's definitely gonna be happening. Um it's something you already see with the likes of PSG and City. Those are the people that we've been throwing in there uh, like with in terms of a financial like level now. So yeah, we we'll probably have to pay a few extra million quid, but I can tell you as soon as as soon as it happens that is definitely not coming... Right? Those lads are going to sell us whatever we want if we pay the right amount of money. Like There's no one that's going to refuse it. And if we do refuse it, then as we already kind of touched on, we'll just go abroad and we'll just rinse the Serie A and the French leagues who are getting less TV money than the Championship this season. So they definitely need the cash. So there's plenty of options and there's there's loads of players. So... Whichever, but the whole thing about a Newcastle tax is them literally just being really annoyed about us, and it, I don't think it'll ever happen.
0: Thing is, I think the smarter thing would be to go abroad because I think the bargains are much cheaper. But I get that you have the risk of bringing a player over, and they just don't like the Premier League, like we've, like we've you know seen with, with Joe Linton. But the transfer window is gonna it's gonna be a, a very very eye opening month because we don't actually know what level Newcastle are gonna look to shop in this window. Are they looking for top, top European talents? Are they looking for those middle-of-the-run players, you know, the likes of ones who are 31-32, you know, like like Stefan De Vrij or, or Brozovic, where we know they're a good player, you know, head towards the twilight years of their career, or are Newcastle going to look to sign players solely to keep them in the Premier League, likes of Tarkowski, Connor Cody, those sort of English Premier League players? How, how do you see us doing I know it's a very, very difficult you know question to answer, but if you know if someone put a gun to your head and said, "What type of players are Newcastle going to sign in January?" What would your answer be?
1: I reckon a mix of all of the categories you've just mentioned. <laughs> I think, <laughs> like, I think there will be a few players that you're looking. If if you said their name now, there might be one player. If you said his name now, you'd go no chance, not a chance. I think there will be some sort of level of they'll try and get a superstar. I think, but then the likes of uh, you said James Tarkowski, that kind of level of signing would be really good, and that from a. A Premier League club, he knows the league. They will get turned down a bit in January and probably the summer as well, because players aren't gonna want to go straight into relegation battle. But I, I, I think the money talks, and I think we we'll, get the we'll, season out
0: of the way. I'll exactly, yeah.
1: we'll be able to get one superstar. Is my honest guess. I, I don't know who that's going to be or what position or whatever, but I reckon we'll sign one superstar, and then I think the rest will be more sensible.
2: The question of it is, is if we look back at. Wolverhampton Wanderers, for example, that's the last big like rise from nothing, isn't it? Um, uh, in terms of like coming to the Premier League and uh, when they got taken over, they had a load of money in the Championship, spent a load of money in the Championship. And when they bought Ruben Neves, everyone was like, oh my God, that's yeah. such a mint signing for them. That's such incredible. They'll never get him. they'll never do that. They'll never do that. And they did. And I think that will kind of happen with us, but it solely depends. And I... I this is a bit really a cop-out of an answer, but it solely depends on how the next nine games go in the Premier League.
0: This month, isn't it? That's, you know... It's huge, yeah. Christmas Because we've got three huge home games. If we win all three of them, things look a lot rosier, yeah, and you probably look at that and go, ah, Newcastle will be okay, they'll stay in the league. If they, you know, if they only win one of them or, dare I say, not win any of them, we're relegated, in my eyes. It's as it's brutal as that, isn't it, these next like four or five games we've got?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um the home games especially just 9 points we, we need them from the three home games. The run in after that at Christmas is absolutely brutal.
0: But the first of the of the home games is, you know, kicks off with Brentford on Saturday who we all know are a good side. You know, they've they've got some, they've had some great results this season. I mean, beaten West Ham away, arguably their best result of the season. They drew with Liverpool, beat Arsenal on the opening day, but people will look at Brentford and see we can beat these because a the newly promoted and B they got beat off Norwich. Well Alex I'm going to ask you on this one because you are our stats man a a man of of tactical eloquence. And <laughs> um, Brentford what have you made of them this season and why are Thomas Frank's side just so hard to beat at the minute because you know they're, they're mid table and no one really expected that from them at this point of the season?
2: Running as much as uh, as simple as it sounds, running, literally, they they're right up there in terms of um, Liverpool's, Manchester City's, and Leeds's in terms of their pure running ability. So they have uh, effectively been running other teams into the ground. Um, the likes of Ivan Tony and um, I always butcher his name um, when I say it, which is um, Monepo. I think his name is. Um, I I I've probably absolutely Who butchered. Yes, and Breno. That's it. And Breno, that's it. Yeah. And Breno, sorry, apologies. Um, uh, them two alone have really, really gone above and beyond what people expected of them. No one expected Ivan Tony to be on the goal tally; he is. No one expected um Embreno to be on the goal tally; he is. They've ex- exceeded that. So with Thomas Frank, everybody kind of knew that Brentford were going to be good on the ball. Um, their their passing statistics back that up. They were going to be strong in the air, especially with the back four that they have, and their statistics back that up. But they did—they always thought, "How is Ivan Toney going to cope in this league?" And he's proven everyone wrong by doing it. And I think they've got a really good group of lads. There's no one that um, we've. Discussing this podcast before probably um, Thomas Frank has a rule in his dressing room, um, I'm not allowed to say the word on this podcast of, of, of what he specifically says, but he says no um, no idiots in his dressing room I let everyone's imagination run <laughs> wild and do that um, so they've got a good group of lads and a good young core of lads so if if they all believe they can do it everybody knows, one game at a time one minute at a time, one goal at a time Anything can happen in in this league. And that's exactly what Brentford have been doing Um, with the Norwich result, kind of. Norwich had them on strings when they were in the championship. Um, And the scary thing is, is when they were in the championship last season, they absolutely had us on strings as well. We all remember, Mm -hmm. I I believe it was the Carabao Cup um, where they, they beat us to knock us out. Um, or was it the FA Cup? It was one of the Carabao Cups. Cup the Carabao Cup
0: was the quarterfinals, wasn't it? Yeah, the Carabao yeah.
2: Cup quarter-final. We were all really excited about the potentials of actually getting to a semi-final for once. And um, that was possibly one of the highlights of the Steve Bruce era. But then um, Brentford came along and ruined all, all of our weeks and possibly a lot of people's seasons in terms of cup runs and stuff. So yeah, they're a tidy little outfit that passed the ball around really well. And Ivan Tony is actually a really, really good goal threat that can finish any type of strike.
0: I mean, Dan, Ivan, Tony—unfinished business at Newcastle. There's nothing he's <laughs> going to want more than to knock the ball and of the net St James's Park. How do you see him faring on Saturday? And do you think defensively? Because I mean, we're shambles at the back, as far as we know. How do they stop a player so clever like him? Because he's—you know—he's not just goals for Brentford. He—he's when I mean, he is there. There's the best players there, but he's probably their most important as well, isn't
1: he? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you—you've you, got the nail right on the head. He would absolutely love to win the game for Brentford against us, um, he'll think that he was let go far too soon. And maybe as a point, um, he's not scored as many as I think he would have liked in the Premier League this season. But as you say, he's a clever, clever player. Um, His movement is really good. Uh, And yeah, I think he's one to watch out for, especially as you mentioned, our defence is poor. I think Brentford have done better than we all expect them to, but I think the signs have started to show... In the last few weeks, that maybe, maybe teams have sort of worked them out a little bit. I mean, I look at the last two games in particular. Burnley and Norwich hadn't won a game before playing Brentford, and Burnley put three past them, which is rare for, for Burnley. For, as well, which is rare for Burnley to do against anyone, and obviously losing at home to Norwich. I hope they, I hope they're feeling charitable again and give us our first win in the season. I, I really think this is a massive opportunity. Um, for us to win, defensively conceding three to Burnley, two to Norwich, I think we've got players that can get at them, and obviously Tony and, and Bueno are a threat at the other end, of course they are, but I think we've got the ability to outscore them, I really do.
0: So it leads us on to our score prediction, really, and of course, you know, it's an absolute huge game, it's probably the second most anticipated game of the season, behind the Spurs match of course, but score predictions, Brentford at home, Eddie Howe's first game in charge, Dan, i going to come to you first met.
1: I'd love nothing more than like a comfortable 3-0, but that's just not going to be the case. I do think we'll win. I think it'll be 2-1. It'll be tense, but I, I really think this is the first win of the season.
2: I think we're going to get a shootout, and I think it is going to be 3-2 to Newcastle United. I just think the crowd's going to carry us over at
0: 4-1 Newcastle. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> oh, I'd I'm really going go, to go 4-1. I think I think, I think. I think we'll go 1-0 down. I think everyone will be like, whoa, okay. Tony orton and Boylan was going to put them one nil up. Uh, we'll equalise just before half time, and I think we'll have a second half flurry in front of the Gallagher. But I was just looking at Brentford's. You know, they, you know they've, they've lost those daft two games to Burnley and Norwich. With those wins, I know it's easy to say that. With those wins, they go sixth, point ahead of Man United. They're a good side, but I feel that they're kind of falling at that Sheffield United bracket really, really early on here, where teams have found them out. And and yeah. hopefully that is the case for for Saturday. They hope, like you said, Dan. Uh, hopefully they're feeling charitable, but it's going to be a cracking <laughs> atmosphere at St James's Park. We'll have lots of coverage on the site this weekend, so you'll you'll not miss a beat on Newcastle versus Brentford. But this has been time Wolf brought to you by Value UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United as well as the rest of the Premier League, the EFL, you name it, we've got it. From us three lads, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.